Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our e-commerce podcast and today I'm here with uh, Michael Vizi and uh, he's the founder of two great podcasts. One is Amazing FBA and the other one is uh, 10K Collective and he has many years of experience with uh, Amazon and also how a Shopify brand owner should start out with Amazon and today we will focus on this topic and we will really walk around this topic today so i'm really happy to have you here michael how are you yeah very well thanks great to be here as well and uh, looking forward to diving into this topic yeah where are you at the moment are you in london i'm in london england exactly yes amazing so before we start uh with with the more you know, technical things, let's say. I always ask our guests, what is your background story? When did you start your current business? And uh, what did you do before? I I guess, you know, so far, nobody told me that they wanted to be an e-commerce marketer when they were five years old. So yeah. I guess uh, <laughs> it's the same in your case. Yeah, that's right. I guess when I was five, I don't know what I wanted. I guess uh, I've always had... Um, two ambitions one's to be a concert pianist and the other one was to be a like a professor of some kind um and i suppose that speaks to two sides of me that e-commerce marketing and the business in general entrepreneurship um works for me which is uh on the one hand there's a very analytical side which i enjoy which with digital marketing as you, you know with your agency is very there's a lot of numbers that you've got to make sense of that's if you like the professor side of me and then the um artistic creative but also practical side of performing in a concert so that's the sort of the fact that you've got to get physical products delivered at certain times and you've got to create marketing and um things that have a practical effect in the real world and so that combination is is i guess um you know what attracts me to e-commerce and um, what i did in between the age of five and when i started e-commerce is that i uh did a lot of languages at school so languages have always been something important so communication is another thing that attracts me to marketing in particular and um music which again is about communication and performance um so i studied music and i was a musician and a music teacher for quite a while never really enjoyed teaching uh kids the piano or, or whatever i mean most of the time they're not very talented and not very committed so i've been looking really i was looking for a side hustle from about the age of 25 and finally got into amazon at about the age of 40 and so that's when my my journey into it all started yeah it sounds like you really prepared yourself for this uh career with uh with communication languages and music and analytical things and teaching because it you know marketing Oh, marketing has it all just in a different way. So that's interesting. So let's talk about uh, Amazing FBA and the 10K Collective. So which one was first? So Amazing FBA is really a podcast at the moment and a website. It's not really anything more concrete than that. It's the overall um, umbrella, if you like, within which any of my e-commerce consulting and information um comes and then the 10k collective was something i found it more specifically for people doing six and seven figures with private label products on amazon so much more specific uh, and that started as a mastermind in 2017 which has been running ever since um mostly in person in london but also a mix of online particularly during the pandemic of course and then uh the 10k collective uh podcast came out in 2019 as, as a way to support that so over time i've gradually moved from helping people starting up to helping people who were established to get better, which is a lot easier because as they say, you can't steer a parked car. So that's the people that I generally work with these mm -hmm. days. 
Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Amazon. Um, what is the value proposition of Amazon FBA nowadays? Where, why would I go to Amazon as an e-commerce business owner? That's an excellent question. And to be honest, I started off only learning about Amazon selling and only one model. And it took a while for me to realize there was more than one way of selling, even on Amazon. So private labeling was what I was taught. And I guess now I focus on that plus, um, what do you call it? Um, custom products. Um, then I gradually realized there were these things like retail arbitrage and what have you. And then I gradually realized even further, my goodness, there's a universe of possibilities out there, including Shopify or WooCommerce, your own direct to consumer site. So I guess um, what am I trying to say here that um, most of us come at things that we're very <clears throat> centered on particular platforms, not business reasons. Now, to try and answer your question, therefore, I haven't really had the experience myself of selling on Shopify, so I can't really speak to that transition from Shopify or whatever direct consumer site ownership into Amazon. Um, but I do do a podcast with my friend Jason Miles, who's a Shopify sort of fanboy, and he and his wife have been selling on Shopify for about 10 years. So we have a lot of conversations like this. I guess the value proposition is really if you want to reach a lot of people and test a product out quickly, that's a great reason to do it. If you want to drive revenue, now, the question whether you want to drive revenue is another one, right? But if you can do it profitably, that could blow your business up. There's also the old diversification of income streams. Um, if Shopify, you've got your own direct consumer sites, you're probably less at risk of, of that sales channel being shutting down than if you just are on Amazon. But there's always risk factors. For example, if Google gives you the Google slap, if you're depending on uh, Google SEO, for example, or if you get your Facebook ads or Google ads account shut down, which is extremely common as we all know, sadly. So that's, those are some sort of basic reasons, I would say. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So how to start out on Amazon if I want to go there and let's say I never had an e-commerce business, what should I do in the first three months, let's say? Okay, so if you never had an e-commerce business, so we're not talking about the same person who's got a Shopify store, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the first thing is a, a series of questions that I would ask somebody who comes to me for consultation or that I would suggest your listeners are going to ask themselves, which is what am I trying to achieve? That's the number one thing that people aren't very clear about. And I wasn't when I was pitched into, you know, going into an Amazon business. Um, what are you trying to achieve is really important because if you're trying to replace the day job within six months, that kind of idea, then I would strongly suggest you don't start a private label, let alone a custom product business. So um, I would say that's the first thing is to clarify what is you're trying to achieve. Uh, if you want quick cash flow, retail arbitrage or online arbitrage is probably the way to go. Uh, if you want a bit more of a sustainable business and you have a bit more money in the bank uh, to sustain it, then you might be looking at wholesale sourcing. And then uh, if you're really serious about building a business that may be one day sellable, but will take quite a long time to get established, private label or, or custom product type model is the way to go. A lot more capital required, takes a lot longer to go, but you could possibly sell it for seven figures in a few years time. So the answer is it really depends on your situation and how much money you've got and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive deeper into Amazon and, uh, I wanted to ask the last question because I know some of our listeners, they don't even have a store yet. So I think that's also good to clarify. Um, but if somebody has a store already and they have some experience with e-commerce, especially on Shopify, how yeah. can they uh, market their products on Amazon? How to get traffic to this Amazon store that they set up? 
So I assume you're talking about somebody who's got their own uh, brand and their own physical mm -hmm. products. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, the main reason for being on Amazon in a, way, in a way is because it's three things in one and you can split it up in different ways if you want to. So the first thing is it's a marketing channel. So there's a huge amount of traffic, not just searches, and, uh, but shoppers. So the people on um, Google are, as they say, surfers, searchers, shoppers. So people who are wanting to be entertained, people who are looking for the answers to a question or those who are looking to buy. On Amazon, they are shoppers. They may be window shoppers sometimes, um, particularly in hard times, but mostly they've got their wallet out and they're looking to buy something. So that's one reason to be on, on Amazon in the first place. Um, so I would say Amazon is a marketing channel. The principal reason to be on it is the marketing channel. The second reason to be on it is that it's also a sales channel um, with incredible conversion rates. So if a Shopify store has typically whatever it is, 2% conversion rate on Amazon, even for a new product with a few reviews, um, you can expect 20, 30, or even 40% conversion rates. Very, very common. Um, so my answer to a question in a way with starting with um, how do you market it is you the reason to be on Amazon in the first place is because they do the marketing for you, basically. Now, I'm not saying that you wouldn't do additional things as well, but that's the the primary reason is, is Amazon SEO. And then the second thing I would do is, again, use Amazon ads because you're, again, on a platform of shoppers, not searches. So you're not interrupting somebody looking for pictures of cats falling off a table like you are on Facebook. And you're not interrupting somebody looking at a YouTube video for entertainment as well or possibly for research. You're on a shopping platform. So the two basics I would go for is Amazon SEO and Amazon uh, ads. Pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Amazon is one of the biggest searching platforms nowadays. I know Google first, maybe YouTube second, but probably hmm. Amazon is the third. So it is, huge. but not just that, but the, the intent behind it is much, much more commercial, meaning that you can afford yeah. to advertise at people like that because they're much more likely to actually take action and buy relative to Google or YouTube, where there's a lot of, you know, top of funnel, middle of funnel traffic, right? Yeah, you don't go to Amazon to entertain yourself, right? You, no, I don't. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. think most people do. Yeah, it's like going into Walmart or Tesco. You go there to buy something, not to, not like YouTube or Google. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is ads, as you said. So I'm wondering if you have any data on uh, the efficiency of Amazon ads compared to Facebook ads or Google ads or anything. You know, sadly, because I'm so Amazon focused, I don't really I'm not a big user of Facebook and Google ads. I have used them personally, but um, I don't have that data. I would be amazed. I mean, what sort of efficiency you're talking about return on ad spend within a certain time frame? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be amazed if Amazon ads doesn't hit the others out of the park with at least mm -hmm. 10x the, the ROAS, but because the ROAS, because um it, it's pretty simple that um amazon is a shopping platform i sort of seem to be banging yeah. the same drum here but it, it's true i mean that changes everything i mean obviously if you're really good at google ads which i'm not and i don't claim to be um then you can dial it in and you can get much better you know cost of acquisition and the same with facebook ads so all things being equal um i would say amazon ads would beat it the only reason it wouldn't is because you can get incredibly cheap clicks on another platform um, now, my experience of Facebook ads and Google ads, and you're the expert here, Daniel, that you don't get super cheap clicks anymore for valuable commercial keywords. And I don't know if that's still yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Um, TikTok is supposed to be better value. So everyone in the Amazon community is getting very excited about TikTok right now. So that might be better. 
but even again that's an entertainment platform with a famously incredibly adhd low low attention audience to yeah. get those guys to buy again i think the efficiencies I'd, I'd need to see some pretty damn solid data to believe that's going to be better so there you go this is all my gut feeling based on the mm. knowledge of the platforms but i don't have the data yeah 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 the, and the other thing is the the time frame, right? Like how much time it takes to really nail the the ads and exactly. achieving the conversion that you want. And, and I assume with Amazon, it's relatively fast. Yeah, well, so Amazon, like anyone else, has realized that the main way they're going to make money uh, is to uh, get people to pay for advertising. So Amazon doesn't really, I think, make most of its money. As far as I can tell, and I've had discussions with some expert people on this, but... As far as we can tell, um, Amazon doesn't really make money at all as a first party by selling to consumers. In fact, it loses a lot of money every time it makes sales. Mm. Um, it makes money from the third party sellers from the referral fees, but above all from advertising. So there's a huge range of advertising. They're always increasing it. However, the most basic one is, in my experience, by far the most effective or efficient, which is the sponsored ads, which simply means that you worry about which keywords you're targeting. Is it exact phrase or, or broad match? And yeah. there's various different nuances of that within the system. Um, and then um, that's pretty much it. You put in the products by you know the listings that you want to target, and that is it. So you don't have to worry about creative and you don't have to worry about split testing or audiences or anything because the sponsored ads don't give you that. Now, there are other types of brand advertising that that will give you those abilities. In my experience, in my opinion, it's mostly a great way for Amazon to make money off you because they're just less efficient at getting money out of the system. And if you really want to build a brand, then by all means, you can do that. But that's not going to be as efficient. That's never, I mean, brand advertising, we can talk about this, brand advertising versus direct response advertising. I would say brand advertising is never really measurable and uh, it doesn't mean it hasn't got value. Then you're into a different way of measuring the world, right? But if you're looking at efficiency, return on investment, return on ad spend, I think sponsored ads, in which case, yeah, it's really easy. You do the keyword mm -hmm. research side, but you don't have to worry about the creative and the audience, which yeah. really, really simplifies life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I think... Uh... Most of our guests here and listeners, they are more direct response focused. Yeah. And a few, yeah. a few few episodes ago, I had Brian Kurtz in this podcast and uh, he's one of the biggest names in direct response marketing and copywriting. He worked mm. with Eugene Schwartz and yeah, we had a very good conversation about this topic. He, he hates branding and he just doesn't <laughs> get it. Uh, I think the truth is somewhere in between. But right, I all I would say is that, um, sorry, I mean to interrupt you. Yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, I think the truth is somewhere in between and everyone has to be aware where you are in your journey. Like uh, small businesses, they should focus on efficiency, seeing the ROI, not on branding. That's my opinion. I entirely agree. The only nuance I would add to that is Rick Cesari, my, my friend who was behind the Lean Green grilling machine and Sonic um, toothbrush, so, you know, billion dollar sales products. So really knows his stuff is very big on what he calls direct branding. So instead of choosing between branding or mm -hmm. direct response, he says yeah. when you're doing a direct uh, response advertising, you're constantly working on creating a brand as well. And that's when you might use uh, the more complex tools on Amazon or certainly mm -hmm. Google or, or Facebook, you know, the, the color scheme you put across to feel the kind of models you use or if it's user-generated content, the type of people that are in the, uh, the videos mm -hmm. or whatever the medium is, that starts to create more of a feeling of brand. But you can do that whilst actually trying to sell somebody something. And I think that's yeah. the smart response, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a smart approach, yeah. Um, let's talk about um, 
Yeah, I, I, that, yeah. Let's uh, stay with the ads and and how to market yourself on Amazon. So many brand owners, Shopify brand owners, they are afraid that if they go to Amazon, it really cannibalizes their sales on Shopify. What are your thoughts on this? Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, I think you've got to think about why you're doing it in the first place. I mean, uh, um, for starters, it's a different type of business model. So on, on Shopify, you're looking at the cost of acquiring the customer versus the lifetime customer value, right? And the cost of acquiring the customer on the Shopify type business is much, much higher normally because you're going to get much lower um, response rates generally, right? And especially conversion rates to a sale, one or 2%, but that, that may be after multiple clicks, some of which you'll have had to pay for in some form, whether it's paying a writer for SEO or paying for ads, right? But the upside of the Shopify or direct-to-consumer model is that you can control the upsell, downsell, cross-sell kind of process, and they're kind of your customers. So if you're diligent with email marketing, most people aren't, but if you are um, and you set up your checkout correctly to do upsells, downsells to increase the average order value over time, you can have that lifetime customer value be a nice big number. So you've got to cash flow the difference, but over time that can work very well. The Amazon play is a completely different reason for doing it. On Amazon, you can't go in with that mentality. The cost of acquiring a customer is normally way, way lower because conversion rates are so high. But as soon as they're even on your listing page, Amazon's showing them other sponsored products, other things that people have bought, other people's, in other words, other competitors are on your sales page all the way down it. Uh, as well as in the search results when they look at on the Amazon search results page. So you've got to assume that you're going to make a one-off sale and make the economics of it work that way. So it's really quite a different business model. And so uh, it depends why you're trying to do it. I mean, why do people try and move from Shopify to to Amazon in your experience? Because I can probably answer a, a bit more precisely. Why do they want to go from Shopify to Amazon? That was yeah, I don't mean from too so much as the ad, ad Amazon as a sales channel might be a better question. Yeah. Yeah, I, what I could see the most is that uh, they are already, you know, they already achieved a certain size with Shopify. Usually it's seven figure a year uh, or maybe even eight figure. And then they want to go to a new channel, an adjacent channel to increase their sales further. And yeah. uh, I'm probably less fa familiar with the marketing side of it. More, I can see more the business strategy side of it. Yeah, because uh, I don't ask them about deep marketing questions, rather just, OK, what's the strategy? And yeah, that's what I can see there. Interesting. OK, well, thank you for clarifying that. So I think the thing I would say is this. If you want to grow your revenue, um, you're going to have to make sacrifices at some point, probably on your margins. Right. And that's normal for any business. Like even if you imagine if you have an A, B scenario, if scenario A, just stick with Shopify or direct to consumer site and build it. Scenario B at Amazon as ways either which way you're trying to drive the revenue hopefully profitably right well let's look at scenario a you're going to have to add staff you're going to have to uh, if your main uh, source of traffic is seo for example you're going to have to hire a, a bunch of writers because as we all know i mean seo can produce fantastic return on investment yeah. but it takes a lot of work i mean huge amount um and then uh, are your sales being cannibalized by you? No, but somebody else will be taking those those 98% of people that have visited your site and didn't buy your product. They're probably in the market for very similar products and they're probably gonna click somewhere else like her Amazon to go and use the same keywords to search for the same types of products, right? So your sales in a way are already being cannibalized anyway by Amazon. <laughs> so I would say somebody else on Amazon is taking the other whatever percentage of people that aren't buying your product but are looking for a product exactly like yours. So if you're not on Amazon taking those sales, somebody else is. So you all probably are 
to to speak to the fear that you've you've voiced yes you probably are going to cannibalize some of your sales maybe a lot um but that they're your sales so you may make a lower profit and amazon will keep the customer data and that's the downside um however you don't have to have an either or situation here's what i would say if you have a shopify site or your own direct consumer site what can be the most valuable asset there is not actually the ability to sell on it so it's not the e-commerce site as such but it's a place to create a, a much more controlled brand experience um and very often people who are about to buy something on amazon will have a quick google and they'll see your store and be reassured and then they'll go back and buy on amazon because they trust amazon so the interplay between the two is quite complex but what you can do also is treat your shopify site as a place to capture leads and nurture leads and that gives you the best in my opinion of both worlds and i do know a friend of mine who's really specifically geared his entire agency is geared to this guy called ashley pierce over at future state media give them a shout out because they do a great job and they are um he's got a background as an amazon focused seller but they're really really into um having a branding and lead capture experience on your own site and then if the sales happen on amazon that's fine because you can follow up with them on email so you get to control a bit more of the upsell downsell cross sell sequence that you would normally mm -hmm. have with shopify and so yeah. you've got a different ecosystem that works in a different way and so it's not a very clean answer but you see what i mean you've got to kind of think about it in a different way in a slightly broader way and it makes more sense yeah, and I think end of the day, you should talk uh, with your customers, like how they found you, where did they buy? And as you mm. said, many of them, they see your product in a Facebook ad or on your Shopify store. And after they go to Amazon and buy there because they trust it more. And you really want to find out those customer journeys, why they happen, yeah. how they happen, because you know, data will tell you what really works and what really happens. So yeah, you're yeah. extremely right. And you're um, more data led than I am. And I think that's a great strength. I mean, one of the things I don't always do is, is check the data on this, but you're quite right. I mean, I think the underlying pattern you'll find, though, is that people don't just do one thing on one platform and then buy your product. I mean, that's the truth, mm -hmm. isn't it? They're, they're on Facebook and then they're on Amazon and then they're on Google and then maybe they're on your Shopify site and then they're back to Google again and then they're on Amazon and then they buy. That's a typical kind of journey, right? So it's messy. And as you say, tracking that across the, the platforms is probably the key. Yeah, yeah. Shall we talk about customer retention on Amazon? I think that's <laughs> an interesting topic. And again, I think many people, they are, you know, the shopify business owners they are afraid of this topic like uh because yeah. with shopify as you said they can collect the leads they can email them but but with amazon it's different so what would you say about uh this topic well i mean this is the major downside of amazon um cannibalizing sales is a problem but it's going to happen anyway Whereas your ability to speak to the audience is, is the big problem. I mean, customer retention on Amazon as such is really hard. Now, that is changing. So one of the latest developments, I've just got some notes here because um, I need to keep track of the, the latest developments. There's a thing called a tailored audience where Amazon has um, recently opened up email marketing. So basically, your highest performing customers, you'll get some uh, ability to market them, market to them and through a sort of in-house email system on Amazon. And um, you can actually um, see their spend and the recency and get some data about open rates and click-through rates as well. And I think one of the reasons that Amazon's doing this is to compete with Shopify, which is obviously, you know, um, nipping at their heels in certain ways. Um, 
And I think they've realized that their third party sellers are their big money source, which I think is absolutely true. And that third party sellers are looking at Shopify and going, well, we don't have to give them 15% referral fees. Um, that looks more profitable. Why don't I do that instead? So they're trying to make Amazon a little bit more Shopify-like. Now, I would say um, I'm a bit wary of this because Amazon's had a history of offering email marketing and then taking it away. <laughs> so Amazon's instinct, I think, is always to play its data close to its chest. So I wouldn't want to rely on that solely. Um, I think the long-term sustainable way that is proof against that is, uh, as I was saying before, to treat your store not necessarily primarily as a sales channel, but as a marketing channel. And particularly, I think the key is this, a lead capture channel. And if you want to capture leads and then you can capture your customers' data there as well eventually, um, that is what gives you the ability to do upsell, cross-sell, downsell, and build a brand, build a relationship over time. Um, it's a kind of compromise, uh, but I think between that and the new Amazon system, the, the tailored audience system, gives you something of what you would have on the Shopify mm. ecosystem. Yeah, 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 that's very helpful. Um, what would be your number one tip for those Shopify business owners who want to go to Amazon? They want to start out, what they should focus on? For me, it would be um, two things, really, which are both numerically based. Number one is um, forget about trying to think about lifetime customer value. And that's more complicated anyway. So maybe this simplifies the game. I think the Amazon game is simpler and more brutal. <laughs> so first mm -hmm. of all, uh, look at individual products as individual products and see if they're, and, and the second thing is, see if the economics make sense on Amazon. Because you have the 15% referral fee on Amazon that you don't have on Shopify, that's actually quite a big percentage of your gross profit and maybe a very big yeah. percentage depending on yeah. how thin your margins are. And the second thing is assume that in order to launch, you're going to have to spend what 50 to 100 percent of your revenue depending on which market you're in and the us is more aggressive than european markets and some markets are more aggressive than others assume 50 to 100 percent ad spend as a percentage of your revenue in your first month to get launched so you're going to spend a lot of money on ads um if you're going to really launch your own private level or custom products not talking about reselling now and then after that maybe 10 to 15 percent of your uh, revenue per month on on amazon ads to keep the the ranking that you've gained so that means you've got to take a big chunk out of the um gross margin um before you get your gross profit um whatever you know, people argue about the definition of that but let's say all the direct costs before you have your overheads per product yeah. line right and make sure you pick products that have a really decent chunk of profit in there to allow for you know the fact that you might have to sell at a slightly lower price on amazon or um, just generally those extra costs that you have on Amazon that you don't have on Shopify. So you will find if you have a catalog of 100 products that, you know, only a handful are probably going to pass that test. And those are the ones that I would start with first, maximize the chance of profit. Yeah. You mentioned that the US market is more aggressive. And uh, how about different industries, different niches? Can you see the same that some of them, they are more saturated, more you know you have to spend more aggressively than in other niches yeah that's that is true i mean if you're asking for specific niches i mean at this stage most niches are reasonably saturated i would say mm -hmm. um there are certain niches that are still growing um where um if you can get the market share is more valuable because the profit per unit's higher so supplements famously mm -hmm. topicals that go on things that go on or in your skin uh like creams um but those are very competitive to get into because people can afford to spend on ads um so if you go for a particular 
obvious things like kitchen equipment or some home uh, decor or supplements that are particularly competitive. Um, I can't think of a, a particularly juicy uh, category that is less competitive, to be honest, at this stage. Yeah. Um, there are things out there. I think it depends on the very specific niche, to be honest. I can't think, I, I would say, in general. Yeah, I think if there is any, then it will uh, it will disappear, right? I mean, everyone just goes there quite soon. So, I mean, here's what I would say, and you bring up an important point. So if you've got your own product built and you built a brand on Shopify, you've done the hard work with some brand building and, and building a product, developing a product. So you should be driven by the numbers at that point in terms of testing Amazon, which, as I was just saying, the opposite is true. If you're trying to start on Amazon as your first starting point or, or on Shopify and you are looking for a niche and you're going to be living with that niche for a few years as you build products in that niche, I think you need to go for something you know and care about. Now, if you know and care about three or four different niches and one of them is less competitive than the others and there's more unfulfilled or underserved markets, then you should go for that one for sure. But I think it's a real mistake to try and look for low competition markets as a reason to build your own proper brand. If you're reselling other people's products, then 100% you should do it because it's numbers driven. Once you're creating your own product lines, I think you need to be more committed. And some products areas will be very competitive. But the ke the question is not how competitive it is. It's can you beat the competition? That's really, for me, yeah. the key question. Yeah, yeah, that's a good mindset. Yeah. Before we close the conversation, let's mention your uh, community. So who is who, who can be a part of this uh, mastermind that you have and uh, what is it about? So the mastermind, uh, the 10K collective uh, is for six and seven figure sellers. So I guess it's sort of minimum about 400,000 euros or, or, or dollars per year or pounds equivalent in revenue. Um, people who've got private label or custom products. All those who have um, a reselling business that's substantial and are moving into private label or custom products. We've got two or three members who are on that journey. Um, we meet in London um, about four or five times a year. And uh, so it's helpful if you can get to London um, regularly. And uh, so most people are in Europe or UK. And uh, we meet on Zoom as well in between. So we are increasingly bringing in experts to help with specific things like um, particular marketing channels, like video marketing, um, intellectual property, how to value your business, how to prepare your business to sell and so forth. So we've got a real mixture of things. And the difference between that and the other things out there is those are kind of webinar style or masterclass. We've got one person just talking to a room. It's a one-way broadcast type scenario, whereas we have a sort of much more interactive sessions with our experts. And we generally get a 20-minute slot per entrepreneur, and then everyone else can chime in with questions as well. And that works really, really well. So it's quite a powerful uh, combination that really, really helps people, which is why I think we've had um, very, very good loyalty from the members since 2017. So that's uh, who that's for, and that's what that's about. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks, uh, Michael, for sharing all of these insights today. And thank you, everyone who listened to the live stream today uh, on social or who will uh, watch or, sorry, listen to the podcast in the future. And uh, also in the description, yeah, so we will put the links all of the companies and mastermind that you mentioned. We will put those links into the description so everyone can find these. Also, I will put a uh, free 50-point email marketing checklist into the description. It's provided by my company 
everyone can go to the link and uh, download it for free and uh, every week we come out with a new podcast episode so stay tuned everyone and thank you very much again thanks Daniel